Hey, Fearless Fundraisers, I'm Don Lego. It's time to buckle up for another episode of Raise Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows, and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. All right, let's get going. Welcome back to our One Cause family and Raise Nation Radio family. We're so glad that you're here and joining us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's a season of gratitude and giving, and I appreciate all of you for making this show so possible. We are over 115 episodes strong now, and we're going to keep going. Thanks to all of you. If you're new, Please follow us on any channel that you like best. You'll find us everywhere. And so you could get um, notifications about our new episodes and engage with us and um, be part of the family. So we're going to get started. One of my favorite in this fundraising world that we live in is the one and only Mr. Nicholas Christock. Um, He's just done so much to empower us and stay on top of... um, Everything that's good in the world, I don't know. I just think of all the good in the world when I think of Nicholas Kristock. And we are going to talk about something that's just I'm obsessed with right now. How, uh, I'll give you a little teaser. How do we break through the noise and really, really, really connect with our donors, make them feel like they're the only donor in the world so that we can grow our impact. And the guy who does this and does this well is Nicholas Kristoff. Nicholas, welcome to Raise Nation Radio. Hey, thanks so much. I'm really excited to talk today, Don. Yeah, well, we had a little um, pre-show chat and we're so aligned and I I can't wait to hear what you're going to offer our audience. But before we do, Audience, they probably know the name, but maybe don't know the full story. You have multiple titles and multiple, you represent multiple organizations. So would you mind just introducing yourself? Talk about Fleece and Thank You and Kind Catch, everything that you're doing and whatever you want to share personally so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, awesome. Well, at my core, I'm I'm just a grateful human trying to live my purpose and uh, make the corner of the world that I'm in a brighter spot. Um, I get the privilege uh, every day to lead an amazing team comforting connecting kids in the hospital as founder and executive director of Fleece and Thank You, a nonprofit here in Michigan. Uh, and I also get the privilege to help nonprofits around the country strengthen their relationships with their donors, their volunteers, their board through personalized video uh, as founder and CEO of a tech platform called KindCatch. And want to talk about your family and what part of the country you live in and some good stuff like that? I'd love to. Yeah, I'm uh, born and raised in the Detroit, Michigan area. Haven't lived here my whole life. Uh, Moved away to Australia for a couple of years. I had a career in soccer, but dove into the nonprofit space while I was overseas. And it really lit a fire inside me that to this day is still burning bright. Uh, Moved back to Michigan in 2015 and started Fleece and Thank You and then Kind Catch. Uh, And now today I'm very lucky to be married to my wonderful wife, Sarah, three years strong. And we just uh, got our second puppy in the mix. So we added a second golden doodle to the family named Susie. uh, And the other one's name is Harlow. 
Oh, so sweet. Um, and I knew you were going to start with um, just a grateful human being. I, I had a feeling it was going to be something along those lines because I think that's how we think about you. Um, but I, I, I don't even know where to dive in because we were chatting a little bit before this show. And I think the struggle in our space and in the nonprofit universe is that the digital landscape is ever evolving. It makes things challenging and competitive. It, it's wonderful because there's opportunity to engage and 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 to connect and and grow. You, you know your audiences, but because it's evolving and it's it's such a crazy landscape, there's challenges there. So I think what's what I love about what you bring to this conversation is. The both hats, right? You 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 have a platform that breaks through the noise, and you're able to apply that, and and you have empathy with fleece and thank you. So with that, I don't know exactly where to start, but maybe we talk about the landscape, where the digital landscape, where is it right now? Why is it so challenging? What are some of the issues that nonprofits? are facing. So let, let's start with the negative and then we'll dive into mm -hmm. all the positives. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. I think it, so right now I'm seeing a landscape where the walls between for-profit and nonprofit are starting to become more blurred from the standpoint of how you get someone's attention. I think if you were to rewind uh, even 15 years ago, it was very clear for a lot of folks how much attention they were going to give to the nonprofit philanthropy side of their life and how much you know the rest of their attention was going to get and as you know the great bombas companies of the world pop up right for profit entities doing good as competition for your attention grows i think the lines become blurred and we really are in a big pool fighting against a lot of different brands across a spectrum of entities uh trying to find attention and to me that's like we're all in the big leagues now, almost all of a sudden, right? With the rise of automation and tech and how accessible information is to everyone. But that to me presents a really awesome opportunity because in my opinion, and anyone listening to this, especially on the nonprofit side, like, you know, that you, you are you and no one is youer than you, than you. And I think that's a Dr. Seuss quote. But, oh yeah. That sounded like Dr. Seuss. Right, yeah. Screaming and Dr. Seuss right now. That's amazing to me because there's no AI or bot that can ever replace you. That's your biggest competitive advantage. All that to say, with how noisy it's getting now, the more your work, your messaging can be about the relationship that you have with your supporter, the stickier you're going to make people. And it's getting tougher and tougher to get that stickiness. But I think a lot of what we'll talk about today, Don, is about how do we put the focus on the relationship? How do we, how do we truly make Don feel like she's our one and only supporter and she's getting all of our love, attention and care. And we couldn't do this without her. Yeah, I think it feels a little bit overwhelming, like where to start, what to prioritize. I think um, and and maybe even fear of the unknown, especially with bots and AI and, and all of that. You know, I think it in some respects, you could look at the glass half full um, or half empty, that's the negative, right? Half empty, because it's like, oh my gosh, if I use AI, I'm not going to sound like a human. It's, But really, maybe we need to look at it a little bit differently, that all of these tools and all of these options are opportunities. How do you 
make these opportunities work for you, like AI? How do you make it work for you instead of looking at it as maybe the unknown, the fear, the I'm moving away from my donor instead of towards them? So what are you doing at Fleece and Thank You to kind of make things work for you, break through the noise and connect? We really focused on looking at all the different activities, tasks, and duties that we do and separating them into buckets of like what makes us human and what is just moving information. And as much as we can, we lean into technology to move the information side. So we have as much time and energy to do what makes us human. And I think the biggest start of that, Dawn, is creating really good donor journey, donor experience maps. And we really, we've spent a year and a half at Fleece and Thank You looking at every possible place that we could meet Dawn Lego. How could she find us? How would we get contact information and start a relationship? And what do we want that relationship to look like? How is it going to evolve over time? When are we going to message Dawn? When are we going to call, text, video, et cetera? And we've set a lot of stuff up ahead of time so that now a lot of those journeys are running really smoothly and it allows us to achieve that trust and relationship where Don feels like, wow, they really care a lot about getting me the right message at the right time, keeping me updated with the right information, asking me at the right time. They're earning a lot of trust with me over time and um, it's, it's not been an overnight thing, but that to me is what started it all is really looking at that experience and journey and mapping a lot out together. I think when you are a small nonprofit and you have limited resources, hearing you, you're inspired. But I think there's also that feeling of, uh, how long did it take? How many mm-hmm. people did it take to do it? Where do I start? What do I prioritize? Can you help us, Nicholas, with for all the people out there that are are inspired but also feel defeated with what should they prioritize? I mean, you can't build Rome overnight, but you know it's taken you a while and, and you also have a tech company that you own behind you that you can leverage with not everybody, not everybody right. has. So what, what advice would you give? Well, uh, no, there's no shortage of phrases around the mantra of like, you can't run a marathon in one mile, right? You can't eat a whole buffet in one bite. And like, donor journeys, experiences, it is the same thing. And you've got to look at it like the long play, do one thing at a time. And I think for a nonprofit listening to this, who says, Nick, I want to achieve everything you're talking about. I want to have great journeys and experiences and build relationships and trust and have some things mapped out. The first, the first thing you can do is just with your team, sit down and just lay out anywhere you could meet Dawn. What are all the places that somebody's going to find out about your mission and how are you going to like, where are you going to meet those people? Where are you going to get that contact information? And when you map those out, like you probably surprise yourself. There's so many places where you're interacting with people for the first time or in a repeat time that make a lot of sense to make a journey off of. And I think step one is just to map out where all the places somebody could hear about us, find out about us, so we could get contact information to start a relationship. And then from there, you choose one at a time. And a great example is like your email list, right? A lot of us have the subscribe field on the footer of our website, subscribe for updates, the quarterly newsletter, et cetera. And think about when somebody puts their email into that, what would a journey look like? They've never given you a gift before. Maybe they've never volunteered before. Maybe they've never been to an event. They heard about you and they want to get some updates. And so just starting from there, think about what would the first welcome email look like? Do they get a second welcome email? Is there maybe a series of emails that individually tell micro pieces 
of your macro story. And before you know it, you set a couple of those things up one by one by one, and you stop and look back and you realize, wow, we've got a whole journey built out for our non-donors, people that have never given us a gift or volunteer hour, and it works really well. And we actually now know when we're going to ask Dawn to make a gift or volunteer or move her into some next chain, but it's one thing at a time. Um, and it really starts with looking at where do you interact with people? Cause that's where the relationships start. Yeah. And I don't think you have to, when you map out all those places that you're going to meet donors, it doesn't mean, I think what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't go for quality over quantity. You don't have to, maybe you don't go on every social platform, but the ones you're on do well mm-hmm. and map out that journey well, and maybe you know, I don't, don't worry about TikTok yet. Get Facebook down really, really good. And, or don't worry about X, do Y really, really good and map out that journey and maybe segment. Do you have to segment between your smaller, your non, never donated, first time donors, repeat don't, they de- how, where's your segmentation go? Because I think each channel also needs the different segments too. Is that right? Totally. Yeah. You don't have to be everywhere at the start. Absolutely not. And you're going to do yourself a disservice if you try to be everywhere to everyone. And segmenting is, is so huge. And, and even as a first step before that mapping out where you interact with people, current state, like look at your data and figure out what are we looking at here? What do we know about our audience? Do we know if they've given a gift or never given a gift? Do we know if they've volunteered time or never volunteered time? Do we know how they found out about us. How did we get their email in the first place? What was the origin segment of them? There's multiple places along segmentation that, in my opinion, and I'm, I say all the time, uh, opinions are like armpits. People have them and they smell sometimes. <laughs> uh, so take it with a grain of salt. But your data is the one of the most important resources that your nonprofit has. And the more you know about it, the more powerful uh, you can be for your mission. Wow. Okay. So if that wasn't uh, an alarm to really pay attention to your data, clean up your data, segment your data, rely on tech to help. What do you use at Fleece and Thank You, like for your CRM and things to yeah, there's your data? Some, there's some really good ones out there. I'm a big fan of the work that Virtuous is doing. I think they've gotten a lot right around segmentation and specifically how segmentation can translate into personalized automation. Um, and so I'm a big fan of Virtuous, but I know that there's a, a couple others out there that are doing some really good things. Um, and so whatever platform you're using, you know, take take the time to look at the market and see what's out there, um, but work with what you've got. And I know that there's multi-year contracts and things. And for some of you, it might be, hey, I can't change my CRM right now. Well, let's figure out what your CRM can do and and make it work within. Um, but yeah, the, the tech piece is a huge, huge part of, of getting this all going and segmenting, et cetera. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about Fleece and Thank You, your mission, uh, the vision, where you're going, your impact. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing, how you've impacted Better Tomorrows and what you need? What what help do you need? Fleece and Thank You just turned eight years old, uh, oh. which is really exciting. Um, I used to live and work in Australia, worked with uh, different children's charities uh, overseas, moved back to Michigan, got a text message from my twin sister, who worked at a children's hospital asking me if I would make a blanket for one of her patients. Um, I just am aggressively curious. I think one of the keys to life is asking a lot of questions and knowing that you know nothing. And I just started asking, well, how many blankets do you need? How often do you need them? She answers back, hey, 
we actually need like 10,000 a year. I'm like, what do you mean? You're telling me this is something you need. You don't have it. Called every hospital in Michigan, learned that the state of Michigan needs about 30,000 blankets a year. Uh, the Midwest needs about 151,000 blankets a year, and the country needs about 964,000. That's the number Wait, of kids. Why? Why are they needed? That's the number of kids that go into the hospital. And what I had learned through volunteering and from my sister, that for a lot of pediatric inpatients, their journey, they're walked into a room, plain white sheets, dark beige wallpaper, right? Everything about that room is uh, intimidating. We're asking these kids to run a race, to win a battle, and they already feel defeated just by the atmosphere. And so making fleece blankets, there's, you know, was nothing new. Uh, for a long period of time, people have been making fleece blankets for kids in the hospital so that there's peace of color and comfort waiting on the bed. Um, but the reality is that in a hospital that needed 10,000 a year, they were maybe getting about 1,500 a year. They were all coming in December and January. And then you've got some kids saying, well, my, this person next to me got a blanket and I just got the plain white sheets. And so uh, to start a journey off on the right foot makes a tremendous difference. And that's why these hospitals are really, really in need of fleece blankets because they want that first moment when they walk in the room to be color, comfort and connection waiting on the bed. So uh, Fleece and thank you. How many blankets are you collecting, making, donating yeah, we built a really cool product-based revenue model where we actually source our own fabric. We make a fleece and thank you blanket kit with a special video message patch on it. Don can order that kit. We work with a family of two at Thanksgiving to corporations of thousands around the country. Uh, blankets ship out, can land right at someone's home or workplace. They get made on site or at home. And then all those blankets have a return label. They come back to us. We wash them, dry them to quality standard, uh, hospital standard. And then we deliver it to a hospital uh, that needs it. And we do that thousands of times a year. Like I said, our annual mission in Michigan is 30,000 blankets. And we're approaching 20,000 blankets a year now at Fleece and Thank You, 20,000 wow. kids a year that we comfort. Wow. Okay, Nicholas, what do you need? What What can people do? I mean, it's such a heartwarming story. And it seems like such a simple ask. We just need to know about it. So we're going to do that and make sure we get all of this in the show notes. But um, what do you what what do you need most? Because I want to go do my blanket like right now when we finish this interview. What do you need most? Well, I think the coolest part about what we do is that anyone can tie in from anywhere and we want you to experience it. We want you to put some sweat equity in and, and be a part of this. Uh, Fleece and thank you dot org is our site. There's a big orange button in the top right order kits. You can order any number of kits and they can drop right on your front door uh, within a matter of days. You can make that blanket with your families over a holiday season, with your work colleagues, et cetera. Um, That comes right back to us. We wash it, dry it, get into a hospital. Like I mentioned, every blanket has a video message. So you, your family, your friends can make a video. It travels to the patient in the hospital and that patient can actually send you a message back. So some of the folks that make blankets with us get to hear back from the patients that receive the comfort they made with their own two hands. You know, Nicholas, I've known about you and your organization for a number of years. You were a RAISE Awards recipient for um, one of our RAISE Awards a couple of years ago. But I really had no idea. I'm so glad that I asked because it is the giving season. We're recording this, you know, right around the beginning of December when gifting is at a very high level. What a beautiful moment for any family. I know I have my daughter coming home from college and in a couple of weeks, what to have a kit waiting here, something to do as a family, you feel good about it. We could do one, we can do five, we could do 20. What a beautiful thing. I'm so glad that I asked because I wasn't sure that I knew the process and 
how beautiful it was. And I do love the sweat equity. Mm-hmm. So good for you. What is your vision? What's your hope for um, Please and Thank You in the next, let's say, five years? Yeah, we've really built a ton of momentum and we've done the hard yards and we've built a model now that's incredibly scalable and replicable. And so our sites are set on hitting that 30,000 blanket mark in Michigan. That would be the first time ever a playbook's been built and executed to comfort an entire state of pediatric inpatients across every health system in Michigan. And once we have that playbook, we'll then be able to move really quickly and expand it across the Midwest region, which needs around 151,000 blankets, like we mentioned. And then we can take that regional playbook and expand it across the country. 964,000 blankets is the ultimate goal. Every patient, every state, every time, guaranteed, as guaranteed as the sun will rise tomorrow, when your son, daughter, niece, nephew goes into the hospital, there'll be a colorful blanket with a video message of support waiting on the bed for them. Oh, I love that. And we're going to stick with your story. We followed you for years. So we're going to stick with your story and, and hopefully help you help you get there. But now let's talk about the video message. How are you executing that? Is that kind catch that's helping in, with that video message? Yeah. yeah, that was kind of the original uh, where it was originally born. Out oh, of my that. God. How you and connect then, things. Yeah. Tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. And it really just started with me and a buddy and like jumped on Code Academy and learned a little bit of code and built like a small WordPress plugin to make these videos uh, with YouTube links and things. And um, and then had a bunch of nonprofits asking, hey, this is really cool. You can connect the donor right to the cause with video. Is this like something we could use? And that started a multi-year journey that became KindCatch, uh, which, you know, is an easy personalized video engagement tool for nonprofits all across the country to thank donors, engage volunteers, re-engage lapsed donors, win back lapsed donors, you know, so many use cases for where, again, going back to the relationship, the relationship is everything. And in a world that's getting noisier by the minute and with transactional messaging and automation and AI, there's so much information moving, but no one can replace the relationship. And short of going and knocking on every lapsed donor's door in January when some of my donors lapse, video is the only way I can scale my relationship with them. Okay. How does Kind Catch work? Take us through it. Because, you know, video, whatever, 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 whatever you just said sounded really intriguing, but I want to understand how, how, how it really works. So can you take us through that? Yeah, the North Star there is we believe uh, that we can, will, and always will be the fastest, quickest, easiest way to collect and share a video out there to make a personal touch point. So there's a mobile app and desktop piece to it. You can do this on the go. You can do this sitting from your desk. You can send video one-to-one, one-to-many. And we've got full suites of playbooks built out that all of our customers use on a weekly basis. We really look at with our current customers, where is video going to move the needle for you? Do you have a donor journey? Do you, are you engaging lapsed donors? What's your first time donor thank you look like? And let's make easy plays for you to start to fire video off either one-to-one or one-to-many to those segments of your audience so that you can make them feel like they are the most important person that's ever interacted with your nonprofit. And uh, we do that through through what we do at KindCatch. Like I said, mobile app and desktop, make it really easy to collect and share a video at scale to one individual or a segment of your audience. Okay, so Kind Catch doesn't just support Fleece and Thank You. It is a product for the nonprofit community that any nonprofit could add to their 
tech stack and add to how they communicate with with their donors. So what is what's it ideally suited for? Is there a particular if you're small grassroots, is it any particular nonprofit that would benefit most or is it great for all? It's great for all, which is obviously the answer anyone would say. But really, when I say it's great for all, it's great for anyone who has good data. And if you know some things about your audience, your donor pool, then you can be really successful using video in targeted ways. Sure, if you don't know a lot about your audience, could you make one video and send it to 5,000 people? You could, but that's probably no different than the experience someone gets on social media, which is generic content for a generic audience to drive awareness. This play is all about what do we know about the segments of our audience and how is the right story delivered in the right channel at the right timing going to move Dawn to make the next action we want her to take. And that's where we really get strategic and uh, drive some success for our nonprofits. So I have to come clean. I've used your product. You know that I've used your product. And I think what I love most is your team is really hands-on. You you don't just serve up this dashboard and you know process to um, collect content and then share it back out you know appropriately you your team is really involved with um, workflows and empathy I would say and a real passion for helping um, nonprofits deeply connect with donors so is is that because you share the team between fleece and thank you and kind catch or how did that culture come about? They're totally separate teams. Uh, wow. both great, great teams doing great work, but definitely the vision is the vision is, has some interesting overlap to it because, because for me, I've always known it's been about the relationship and how important it is to scale the relationship as a grassroots nonprofit starting in 2015, I saw within a month, that scaling a grassroots nonprofit is incredibly tough. If you can't get the big check, the big donor early on, it is a tough road. The best thing I could do is to just radically engage the supporters that came in and make them really sticky and have it just grow organically from that. And so from the beginning, the vision's been about how do we build relationship and trust? Uh, And video has been an integral part from the beginning of that. And it continues to carry through today. And like you said, we really believe that on the kind catch side, like you can sell anyone a car, but if I gave you keys to a car, Don, and you had no idea how to drive a car and had no GPS and knew or knew where you were going to go, the car is basically useless at that point. So we like to say, we'll teach you how to drive the car and we'll teach you how to use the GPS and where you need to go with this car to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Yeah. So it's so easy too. That's what's crazy about it. Like anyone can make content and send it to you. So you could, you can use board of directors for content creation. You can use volunteers. You can use people that you've impacted your team, just about anyone they can create content. And I think content has changed Right. Over the years, would you agree with that? It's not so polished and perfect. I mean, sure, there's some basics about, you know, sound and noise and, you know, lighting, very basic, but it's definitely become more authentic. And because content has become more authentic, 
Kind Catch is even easier because you really can gauge anyone to create a content library, just like a call for content and bam, it is that easy to do and that easy to upload to create your content library. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, we've seen the the professional event video recap, right? Or the professional mission video. And I think there's always going to be a place for that. We need that to drive awareness, right? But the reality is, like you said, uh, authentic user-generated content, real moments, being vulnerable, stumbling a little bit over your words. Uh, that is the stuff that moves you emotionally. Uh, and for a long time, video has been this incredibly heavy lift. It normally is. Is it going to cost us thousands of dollars to have a video crew out and editing time? Uh, and that was a, a place that I saw just needed to be easier. It's such a powerful tool, but it was so, so much effort to collect and move a video. And that's the wall that I'm really passionate about breaking down. It's like, this should be a tool that have, everyone has access to and can move video and moments and feelings and build relationships in the right way at scale. Um, and that to me is what I get excited about every day. And, you know, so many times volunteers or board of directors or people, they want to help. They just don't know what to do. Bam, just put them on. Hey, just give them some direction, you know, record 30 seconds, 45 seconds and talk about this and boom, they're, they're being helpful and you have, you're building your content. They feel good. And it's so easy. It's incredibly easy. When I used the kind catch product, I, I could not believe how I built a content library in, in really no time or no effort. Um, mm-hmm. It was fabulous. So then let's take it on from the other side. How how do you push the content out? So now you have this video library, super easy. People could do it on their mobile phones, right? Just upload it. It's so easy. But then what's the workflow look like to push the content out? Yeah, we link up to where your data is. Um, so whether that's your CRM or through importing and exporting, but your audience with your segments and tags is going to be in your Kind Catch tool. And it's as easy as choose content, grab a template, choose a segment of your audience, boom, and out it goes via text or email. We know that it's important to be able to deliver video on both channels. And so you can deliver via text or via email uh, using the product. And it's all all built for three steps, 30 seconds. Let's make it fast, light, easy, move these moments quickly. So what, what do our nonprofit audience need to know about the differences with best practices on email and text? Can you text anyone? Can you email anybody? Do they have to opt in? Like what, what, where should they go? Because I think people are still afraid a little bit to, to text. Although I have to admit, I'm doing a whole heck of a lot more by text than I ever did. I actually respond to text a lot quicker and faster than I do to email. And, um, I don't know. I, I kind of like it now. I didn't always. So what, what, what do our, audience need to know about that? Well, take it always back to the journey. You got to look at the journey and where the touch point makes sense. But uh, again, from one person's opinion, um, email is is still a tool that you're going to use to communicate maybe larger pieces of information to big segments of your audience. So when you have massive messaging that needs to go out to a lot of people, maybe email is still going to be the right tool. But the more segmented you get and the more conversational you get to move someone through your funnel or have a conversation, that's when text is going to start to be the tool that you pull out. Um, I'm not a big believer 
in the mass text to an entire audience. Uh, that to me is where email still has its place. But I am a big believer into, hey, you better believe in my year in giving. Everyone who's given us a volunteer hour in the last 30 days is probably going to get a very specific text. Everyone who came to my golf outing, they're getting a text. So these micro segments of your audience, that to me is where you can really win using texting. And it's it's a it's an interesting landscape because the second somebody thinks that the text you sent is transactional or not personalized to them, it is easier than ever to reply stop and then that's it. You can't text them again. So I think you've got to really make sure you add a lot of value through personalized communication to segments. And whatever you do, if you start texting, the first thing you cannot do is ask someone. If the first text someone gets from you is an ask for a donation, um, I think that you've lost a huge opportunity to build trust and relationship via a channel that can drive a lot for you in the future. Oh, man, it looks like I have to do a blog with you to get all these best practices down. And we just don't have enough time in one, in one podcast to go. But you, you do have Kind Catch that could um, really help um, navigate this this journey. Now, Kind Catch has really caught on. It's pretty popular. You've even branched, got, gotten attention and branched into conferences and events. And is that a direction for the Kind Catch, kind catch brand? Yeah, events themselves are a really easy tool to add a cool personalization element using video. So when somebody goes to an event, they have a thousand questions about the event and the largest mass email of the world probably can't answer all those questions, but 30 to 60 seconds of a video probably can answer a ton of someone's questions and make them feel at ease. So the pre-event video, the post-event thank you, events are a really easy, easy way to use video and an easy easy play to engage your audience and make them get to the end of the event and feel like, wow, that was so personal. I feel like I know the folks that put on that event. I know the mission better now. Um, and I feel like a friend. Yeah. Well, I think it's really important for nonprofit events because there are a good chunk of audience members that are coming to events that are not aligned with connected to or engaged to the mission. Somebody bought a table at 10, said, here are two tickets. You want to go with your spouse or your significant other, but why not use that opportunity? You know, they're already an audience member. They're coming to your event. You can convert. Um, if mm -hmm. the majority are not aligned, you can convert some of them. Mm -hmm. Well, think about uh, the last event you, you went to. Did you know who the organizer was? Did you know who the founder of the company was? Did you know who put in the, all the sweat and hours behind the event? And how easy would it have been uh, to use a tool like KindCatch and have someone see, wow, I just met Dawn and she was like part of the team behind Race. Like, that's pretty cool. Uh, and now I feel like I know who Dawn is. People interact with people. There's so much stickier now when the invite comes of, hey, let's let's go to this event next year. Oh my gosh, I got to see my friend Dawn again. Like that's where the threads are tied. Yeah. Oh, and that's what we love about the Rays community and the Rays conference. So many people go for different reasons, but a lot of people go because of the relationships that have been built over the years. And there's a lot of, hey, oh my God, how are you? What's going on? Let me see the kids. You know, you hear at, sure. at Rays. So you're just helping us bring another level to that. So I think we started with, you know, the negative, but and now the glass looks half full because there are, although the noise is there and the competition is there and the landscape is involving and more players are involved, 
there definitely is a path forward and tools to help you break through that noise and get to the donor and create the kind of relationships that you want. So it's really hopeful. And I know we're going to talk with you more next week. We have a webinar with a great panel. We're really going to talk about how do we overcome this decline in giving and the decline in trust? So um, let's let's start that conversation now. What are you hopeful for moving into the new year and how nonprofits could just regain the trust and the giving that their worthy causes are, are deserving of? What 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 is your advice to them? Well, I'll give the philosophical advice and then I'm, I'm very always want to make sure I can be practical. So someone's like, cool, I can take that and run with it. But philosophically, I think let's get our confidence back, even though we've seen a decline in certain areas of giving and our confidence can come from the thought of you are you, like there's no one that's you than you. And that will always be your competitive advantage. So if you believe in what you're doing, uh, you are like, it's okay. It's going to be okay because people work with people. You just need to get the relationship building out there and make sure somebody knows that they can trust you. And so philosophically, I think let's get our confidence back and know that it's going to be okay because we are who we are and we believe in what we're doing and uh, we're going to go out and scare relationships. On the practical side, I think heading into January, the for one of the first things that you can look at are, you know, first two things are one, make sure you do a tremendous amount of gratitude for everyone that gave to you this year, especially at your year end campaign. And don't miss the boat on the gratitude piece there, whatever you can do. Um, if you can call every single person that gave to you at your year end campaign, I say, do it, take the time, it's worth it. Um, secondly, look at who didn't give to you in 2023 that did give to you in 2022. That lapsed donor group, is still going to be very hot and ripe for the picking in January. And if they got a call from you, a text, an email in January, sorry, we missed you. This is what we did in 23. Here's what we want to do in 24. Can we get you back into the fold? Uh, you're going to get a tremendous amount of winbacks off of that lapsed donor group. So again, philosophically, let's get our confidence back because you all rock and you believe in what you do. Um, and it's going to be great. And strategically, don't miss out on the gratitude piece. And if you can call, call. Um, if not, videos are great, you know, second touch point. And then lapsed donors are key. And that January window is a great time to win back those lapsed donors. I'm so glad that you're a friend of One Cause because we have you on a webinar next week with a panel talking about winning back confidence and trust and giving. And then we have a webinar with just you alone um, coming up as part of our Fearless series in the new year. So it's just always such a pleasure and um, I'm glad you helped us look at the glass half, half full today. So, you know, thank you for that. And um, I think that um, I will have to give a little plug for Kind Catch, if you don't mind, because I think it's a little hard when you hear call all your donors and thank them. That's kind of tough. Yeah. I'm going to say try out Kind Catch because right. you can do that through video, which is highly personal and it is so worth it. It is not only going to help you express that gratitude that's so important in the new year, but it's also going to help you engage all year long. I, I'm a believer. I've tried it and it's so worth the investment. So I'm going to one up you there, Nicholas. I hope you don't uh, mind. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm really grateful to the One Cause and Race community. 
Yeah, we love having you part of our family. Well, Fearless Fundraisers, that's about all we have time for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic, which is to be continued, and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Please tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 12.30 p.m. That's Thursdays, 12.30 Eastern Time. And in the meantime, listen to all the episodes on Raise Nation Radio. There's 115 of them. Follow the channel that you are most akin to um, because we're everywhere. And then you can get notifications about all our new guests. And if you're a fundraiser and you'd like to appear on the show, just reach out. Hello at onecause.com. All of our fundraisers out there are doing amazing things to build better tomorrows for our communities. Your stories are awe-inspiring, and I'd love to have you on the show. I'd like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use digital fundraising solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Check it out at onecause.com. And while you're there, visit the resource section. We have a broad catalog of free content that hopefully you'll find helpful. A huge, huge, huge shout out and thanks to our guest and friend, Nicholas Christoff, for sharing just a very expert and authentic and real voice. Um, Philosophically, practically, I think, Nicholas, you gave us the inspiration we need today. So enjoyed our conversation. I always do. But I do have to ask, any last words of inspiration? Uh, good luck, everyone. You're you're doing it. You're crushing it. And just wake up every day and try to find some of the things to be grateful for. I think be grateful daily is a, an overused phrase, but be grateful in moments. And when times get tough and things are uncertain, hectic and chaotic, choose gratitude. And I promise you it'll change everything that's going on. Oh, I love that. Choose gratitude. I wouldn't expect anything different from you, Nicholas. Well, thank you again so much. Thank you very much for having me. That is a wrap. Until next time, I'm Don Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio. You stay fearless out there. 